Acts chapter number 17, Acts chapter 17, uh, in your Bibles tonight, and the music as always, uh, was once again tonight, it was wonderful, wonderful music, and I always enjoy the music, I know we're not the only church with good music, but we have the best music, I love our music, and I, I think it is so, God has blessed us with so much talent, and just, just uh, all of our, from our pianists to our uh, orchestra to a choir to all the special music. A lot of hard work uh, goes into our music, and it's certainly uh, you, you're not going to have a great church without without the right kind of music. Uh, you're not going to have uh, one. So I appreciate the music department putting in all of the effort that they do. And I was sitting over there during the offertory, and I was just looking over my notes, and I could tell who was doing the offertory just by listening to the offertory and all of our different pianists and, and such. And so I appreciate the music. I shut the Number 17. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture tonight, and then we'll get right into the message. I don't want to keep you very long this evening. We've got a full week. We've got a busy week. I want you to be here Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night. I'm counting on you uh, to be here, uh, to be a part of the services and see what the Lord does. He can't speak to you if you're not here. Uh, it can't work in your heart if you're not here. It'd be a shame. Uh, well, I've, I've, I've thought this week and I've been praying, uh, is there somebody uh, that God's going to touch their heart, some little boy, uh, some young man that God's going to touch their heart this week and call them to the mission field. And it'd be a shame, Mom and Dad, for them not to be here uh, for that time when God had prepared uh, to reach in their heart and, and put them under conviction so that they surrender. And so, I don't know, it may be Mom and Dad that the Lord wants to work in a heart this week. And so I want you to be here uh, so that you can be part of the services and be a part of what uh, we are doing. Acts chapter number uh, 17, and uh, we have uh, preached several messages from this, this chapter. And we'll probably, in weeks to come, uh, bring some more from this chapter. But I want you to look at verse number 17. 16. Uh, Paul has, uh, and these other men have traveled to Thessalonica, and now uh, we find a transition in the chapter. We find verse number 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, notice the remainder of this verse. His spirit was stirred in him. Uh, Paul is now in Athens, that great city, that city of the great empire. His spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Paul's heart was such, Paul's focus was such, that when he found himself in a great city like the city of Athens, he found himself as he was waiting there, we don't know how long he was waiting for the others to join him, but as he was waiting there alone, there was a stirring that took place inside of him when he saw that the city was wholly given. Well, think about that. Let that set in. Wholly given to idolatry. Tonight I want to speak on this subject. Moved by a city given to idolatry. Moved by a city given to idolatry. Wouldn't it be great if God's people were moved once again? Wouldn't it be great if uh, the fact that men were dying and going to hell moved us 
uh, like it should move us. Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, I pray that You'll work in hearts tonight by the Holy Spirit of God, uh, work in, in each individual heart tonight. I'm already full just from the fellowship and from the music tonight. But Father, You have something You want to accomplish from this uh, passage of Scripture, from this uh, message tonight. I pray that uh, the Holy Spirit would give me clarity of mind and thought as I deliver it. May He do what only He can do. May He be our instructor. May He be our teacher. But also, may He be our convictor tonight. I pray that Your will will be done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Scripture tells us that His Spirit was stirred. Uh, This means that that He was agitated. This means that He was worked up. Uh, This means that He could just not sit idly by. Paul, if you uh, read of His ministry and uh, get a sense of understanding of the kind of man He was, He was not a man that could sit idly. He was not a man who could just sit by. And if even when he was in prison, he was writing. He was he was he was doing things in that capacity. And here God has him stopped, if you will, waiting. And while he is there, there, there's something that is going on inside of him. There's something that is working up inside of him as he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. And could I say this evening, wouldn't it be wonderful in the heart of every Christian if there was something that could stir them? If there was something they see the needs of people, oh, the the apathy of a Christian. We are going to give so much of an account one day before our God. Uh, The times that our hearts have been apathetic, the times our hearts have been cold, the time we have been so wrapped up in our own needs and our own self, and, and God, what have you done for me? And church, what have you done for me? and pastor what have you done for me and and brother and sister in Christ what have you done for me friend if that's your your mindset of Christianity you've got the wrong mindset Uh, there ought to be something inside of us that when we see the needs of somebody else when we hear requests just mentioned casually from the platform there ought to be something inside of you Christian that says I've got to do something about that I've got to be concerned about that I've got to pray about that we see the needs of people there's something that ought to stir get us worked up be a great thing if Christians shed tears again for lost sinners. Shed tears for the prodigal. It would be a wonderful thing if Christians would grieve again. I like you. I get angry when you see the wickedness, when you see the sin, when you when you hear all of the political rumblings right now as a new Supreme Court justice is going to be nominated and how uh, there's such a large segment in our society that we've got to stop it so that we don't lose our right to have an abortion to murder our unborn child. I get angry at that. But I ought to weep at that. We, we ought to get angry at that. We ought to do all we can do opposed to that. But we ought to fall on our face and shed tears uh, for a nation and for people. There are people who have actually been so indoctrinated and so wicked and, and, and involved in so much sin that they cannot separate what is moral from that which is immoral and decent from that which is indecent. The only thing, the only hope that they have is the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm for righteous indignation, but I'm also for the fact that we ought to drive us to our knees and to our face before God and we ought to weep tears of, of compassion for this lost world. This was Paul. Paul was stirred. I do not know what was in the mind of God. It's not possible to know what was in the mind of God, but I wonder if God had him waiting just so he could see. Just so he could get stirred up. Tonight I just want to 
make a few observations and we'll go home. First of all, I want us to see from this verse of Scripture, I want you to notice the effect of the city wholly given to idolatry. As I imagine Paul there being an observer of that city, bear in mind this is not the first city Paul has entered into. Paul has done this on several occasions. He will go into the the city. He's there for one purpose. He's not there as a tourist. He's there to preach the gospel and to preach to sinners for them to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine when he saw that scene. I want you to think of those words, holy given to idolatry. If you've ever studied, I've studied a little bit of the the um, uh, of the, 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 the that great empire in Athens, and and you study a little bit about their beliefs and their religion, and well, they, they, there was some would say that there were more idols than there were actually men in the city of Athens, and it was wholly given to idolatry. It was not one of these casual things where people claim to be religious or they they claim to worship some god. They worshipped him, those false gods, and it was part of their everyday life. They were wholly given to it. This is not my message tonight, but wouldn't it be wonderful if Christians would be wholly given to the Lord Jesus Christ? If they would be as dedicated and given to serving the one that we know is the true God, the risen Savior, as those that are deceived by Satan himself. But I think he saw, as you will see in any society that is wholly given to idolatry, I I believe he saw the profane acts against God. See, friend, there's nothing quite as profane as taking a false god, taking a created thing and putting it in in the place of a living God. Can you imagine what an insult that is to God? Can it be any more blasphemous and profane to the Almighty God for His creation to worship that which they fashioned with their own hands? When you find a city wholly given to idolatry, you find no room for God. You find no light from the Heavenly Father. And I believe it was easy for the Apostle Paul to notice this, not just the dedication to these false gods, but the fact that because they were so dedicated, it was such a profane act against God, I believe there was no light of the Gospel there. What a dark, dark city to have no hand of God anywhere to be found. I believe he also noticed, and historians would confirm this, I believe he saw the moral corruption. Anytime you replace God with another idol, there will be moral corruption. Well, you just look at our own nation, and when we've, we've taken the Lord's Day and make it, made it the NFL Day, and then we wonder why our society is immoral today. We put God out of our schools and we make education to God and we wonder why our young people are being reared such as they are, more like animals than by uh, like, like created beings with a soul and a spirit and a purpose for living. But he saw the moral corruption and, and I, I like to read... Uh, biographies, I like to read certain things and you get some of the background of this city. It was a morally corrupt 
or maybe only the Roman Empire ever uh, exceeds the moral corruption of this city. And I believe it was evident. I believe it was prevalent. In the, in the saddest of all, they did it in the name of their God. Their immorality was their acts of worship. Their immorality was, uh, in essence, in worship towards their false God. I believe we saw the moral corruption. I believe in turn he saw the satanic oppression. Worshiping a false idol is satanic. So why do the Muslims act like they act? Because they worship a false god is satanic. I believe you can... I have been in places of false religion in different countries and even in different places in our own country and you can feel the satanic oppression in these temples of worship to a false god. You can feel and sense and see the satanic oppression. You go to the places on this planet still where the name of Jesus has never been mentioned and, and, and they worship in all of these uh, pagan ways and you'll be able to feel the satanic oppression. I believe Paul, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Holy Spirit, walked into this city. He saw how profane it was because they, they, they did not worship God, but they worshiped these false idols. I believe the moral corruption was prevalent and he could see it, but I believe you could feel, he could feel the satanic oppression. And from when there is no true God in the life of the individual, there is nothing but that satanic oppression. I believe it stirred him when he saw the city wholly given. I want you to notice number two. Notice that he was not stirred by the city itself. Now we said number one, we said uh, he was affected by the city wholly given. It was obvious by the effects of the city. And friend, even our own nation, as we get away from serving the, the one true God, you see more and more of the effects of this. But he saw a wholly given. We see number two, it was not the city itself that stirred him. Athens was known for its philosophy, its architecture, its education, all of its advancements in society. But we find no, no, no recording in Scripture that that even remotely caught the interest of the man of God. He was not there to see the great architecture. He was not there to hear their philosophy. He was not there to, to, to learn of their education. That, those things did not move him. And can I say maybe that is why a lot of Christians are not stirred in their heart today because the cities of this world move them. They're moved by the philosophy of the world. They're moved by the education of the world. And they are moved by all of the wrong things. But Paul was not enamored with all of man's accomplishments. He only saw their spiritual condition. Christian, you and I need to take lesson. You and I need to take note of this. Do not be enamored by the accomplishments of this world. Do not be enamored with the philosophy of this world. Too many Christians are caught up. They're into you scripturally. They're entangled with the affairs of this world. So therefore, they cannot be stirred by, by that which is going on. They are not aware of the drift from God because they're involved in that which is prevalent in society. And friend, you and I need to be, be very well aware of what Paul, the pattern that Paul said here. He was not enamored with the city itself. 
But he saw the effects of what being distant from God and never knowing God would have on a city wholly given. Well, he was not stirred by the city. He was not stirred by their great accomplishments. And that's what this world will do. This world will say, look what we've done. Look what we've accomplished. Many would say today, look what we've done without God, not realizing that it is in God's mercy, it is in God's grace, that He has not destroyed them, that He has not wiped out mankind because He gives us another space of grace. And you and I, as a child of God, don't be enamored by this world. You and I need to be stirred inside by the fact that this world is not going to save anybody. Education has never forgiven the sins of any man. Architecture has never done great things for your home. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that. He was stirred by the right things. Christians, it's time for us to continue in many cases and to begin in some cases taking our eyes off of the bright lights of this world and pushing through the noise and pushing through the busyness and seeing the hearts of men and their condition as they are wholly given to idolatry. The fact that without Christ they have no hope. You say, well, well Pastor, I just, I, I, God has given me the ability to do certain things. He's given me the ability uh, to make money and do all these things. And, hey, I'm all for that, friend. Uh, but there's more to life than what you can check off on your bucket list. And there's a fact that there are men and women, boys and girls, if they die without Christ, they'll die and they'll go to a devil's hell. That very thought ought to stir something in our heart. It ought to cause us to do something. The third observation I want us to notice this this evening is this. He was stirred when he was alone. I already alluded to it in the introduction, but I wonder if in the mind of God, He separated Paul and made him wait there for some time alone. So he could not be in the busyness of ministry to see the real needs of the people. We could not be distracted by fellowship with another human being, but it was just literally Him and God. And how God could do a work in His heart, and He had to see when He was alone. And I wonder if that's why some Christians never see. Sometimes I get frustrated as a pastor, and I, and I, and I know it's, it's God's Word, but I get frustrated and say, you know, if, if, why are you putting so much priority, Christian, on these things that do not matter, and not putting any priority on that which matters for eternity? And, and why, why do we not see the big picture? And these are all temporal things down here, and we must be working for that which is eternal, and there's nothing more eternal than man's soul. And, and why are we not working towards that? But I believe sometimes because we never take the time to notice. We never take the time to see. We never take the time to see what's going on in the life of another individual because we're so caught up in what's going on in our own life. We're so focused on our own needs and our own desires that we never take time to be alone and say, God, show me what you'd have me to see. I believe every Christian needs to take time to be alone with God. And I believe that God has times in every Christian's life when He forces them to be alone. He forces them to be still. He forces them to take notice of that which is around them. 
Paul's there alone, he couldn't help but notice, Christian, when's the last time you've stopped and begin to take notice of the people around you? I can't believe that people would act this way. Think about why they act that way. Well, they need to, they need to change their actions, but lost man is going to act like a lost man. Do we care enough to give them the gospel? Do we care enough to give them the truth? I believe this. I believe in the heart of the average Christian there's a desire to share the gospel with someone else. We don't take the time to notice the need of somebody else. Friend, one of the greatest distractions, one of the greatest tools of the devil is to distract you as a Christian. We don't raise your hand tonight, but how many of you have problems? Well, I'm looking at who some of you are married to, and so I know you, I know you have problems. Dean, I told you not to raise your hand. We all have problems. We all have burdens. We all have needs. But you know who's promised to take care of your need? God has. Why are we so worried about it? Why are we so consumed with it? I understand. I know what it's like to have needs. I know what it's like to be burdened. I know how it's always reminding you that it's there. But you know we have promises in this Bible that tells us God will take care of every need we have. God is not going to... He didn't save us just to cast us aside. God will sustain us. He will take care of us. He will strengthen us to carry our burden. You know we have promises in Scripture that so many times the devil will use that which has come in our life because we get distracted, we get consumed. It becomes all about us and all about our present need. I understand there's sometimes it's just about surviving. It's not about thriving. I understand that. But friend, you and I, we need to step step back sometimes and say, I've got to... I've got to allow myself to see what's going on in this world. You're not the first, you're not the last that's going to have a burden, a problem, but this world still needs Christ. People around us still need the Gospel. And you and I, every once in a while, need to take a step back and say, God, show me, let me see through Scripture, let me see through your eyes the world around me. I heard a preacher when I was a younger man, I don't remember who it was, and I'm sure there's been several that, that says this, that... So when you go into a grocery store and you and you stand across the the, the 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 counter for somebody, picture them either going to heaven or hell. Or you, when you drive through neighborhoods, you realize there's people on the other side of those doors. Well, this week we have a missions conference and we're going to hear from missionaries say and, and one of them is going to tell us his burden to go to Costa Rica and the, and the ministry that God has placed on his heart. Another is going to tell us that it's called a Burma and to reach those people who are in the darkness of false religion. And another is going to tell us about he, how he's still called to be like a circuit riding preacher and go to these small towns in South Dakota that have no gospel witness. And we're going to hear about that. How in the world did they ever get to a place in their life when they were go to these places, they got alone with God and they allowed God to pull the curtain back to see that there are people who need the gospel. You and I, we need to make sure that we spend time with God so that we can take notice. Number four, and the last point I'll make this evening really is where I want to get to with the message tonight. We see in verse 16, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, the Spirit was stirred in him. We saw the city wholly given to idolatry. 
often, the first part of my message is a reminder that we need to get stirred up about the lost world around us. We need to take time to notice that men and women need the Gospel. But the Emmanuel Baptist Church, we've been doing that for a long time. We need to keep doing that. But I believe there are people all over this world, safe people, churches not that different from ours, and, and they realize, you remind when we see Scripture like this, and say, you know what? there are people around me who need the Gospel. And, and they, 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 they will see that and they'll recognize it. But I want you to notice the difference in Paul. We, 5 and 16, he was stirred up when he saw the city holy given to idolatry. The idolatry. Let's read verse 17. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Paul didn't just sit and lament over the fact that people were dying and going to hell. He didn't just grieve. He didn't just shed tears and all of that is good about the fact that this city is wholly given to idolatry. He didn't just lament over the open immorality that took place in that city that was the norm of that day under the, 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 the sovereignty of Satan in that city. He didn't just sit back and say, God, would you do a work here? Paul took action when he saw the city. He was stimulated to action, and tonight that's the message. We can sit here and talk all night about how there is a heaven, there is a hell. People who die without Christ will spend eternity in hell. We can tell a bunch of sad stories. I can give you statistics tonight about how many babies have been aborted in our nation and what is happening in our public schools or what is happening in our society. We can talk about the debauchery of Hollywood tonight, but tonight the question is just this. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to sit and we ought to shed tears and we ought to pray for God to do something in the hearts of men. But Paul did not just stay and say, Oh God, do something. Oh God, bring revival. Oh God, save these people. He went himself. He went to the synagogue in the market daily with them. Anybody he could talk to, anybody he could give the gospel, he determined that he was going to do something about it. My question tonight, once again to us as a church, is what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Very quickly tonight, just let me mention three things that we need to do. We need to continue to pray. Pray for God to move in the hearts of men and women. Place them under conviction, their need of a Savior. We need to pray for laborers. We need to pray so that you and I will stay close to our Lord. But we need to also be faithful in soul winning and giving the gospel. We need everybody to have a part in that. We also need to give. And next Sunday, not Sunday, we're going to take our faith promise commitments, what we are going to give to missionaries and to missions so that they can take the gospel. We can talk about it. I don't want to give the man's the, 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 the man's presentation, but one of our missionaries is going to be in a very dangerous situation where he's got to sneak in and sneak out giving the gospel because there's, where he's at is so turned against the, the hearts of, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so he's, he's in a very dangerous situation. We can be moved by that, but what are we going to do about it? 
We can talk about it in our city. If you've been around Jacksonville, uh, in Jacksonville, uh, any length of time, uh, there, there, there are some areas in Jacksonville, there are some things in Jacksonville that, that, that if we don't get the gospel there, uh, it's, it's going to continue to deteriorate our city. Say, so we need a reform in this area, this area. What we need is the gospel in those areas. What we need is more people involved in doing something to get the gospel to them. It's just not about telling sad stories so that we feel sad about the plight of other men. It's about us seeing the needs of our city, of our neighborhoods, and then doing something about it. Many of you, I mean, I really am preaching to the choir, if you will, tonight, because so many of you for decades have been faithfully involved in ministry. Many have been faithfully given the missions, faithful tithers, faithful givers, and all of that contributes, friend. It's not time for us to give less. It's not time for us to do less. It's time for us to get ready to do more, give more, pray more, because more men are dying and going to hell than ever before. And, and the need is greater than it has ever been. The hour is greater than it has ever been. And we need to be moved by that. We need to be moved by the fact, by the fact uh, that, that this city is not going to save itself. And God is giving us a, an opportunity to be uh, positioned strategically to win so many with the gospel it makes such a difference but we're going to have to put actions to our feelings we're going to have to get stirred up about it and see it and realize it but then we're going to have to do something about it we're going to have to give sacrificially we're going to have to give by faith we're going to have to, to go when we don't feel like going we're going to have to be bold and courageous to pull a gospel track out of our pocket and give it to someone because the Lord just tells us that person needs Christ that person needs a Savior we're going to have to do something change something so that we can make a difference. He was stimulated to action. Well, I can tell you that if we just open our eyes and pay attention, the Lord would give us a burden. Say, Pastor, why, why, why are you so burdened? Why are you so consumed with this? Because I'll just tell you, if there's a street in Jacksonville I have not driven down, I couldn't tell you what it is. Because I've driven down those streets. I've looked at those doors. God, who's going to knock on that door if we don't knock on that door? Who's going to win this community if we don't win this community? Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything special other than trying to get a vision that God gives us. I don't just like to look at a map of our state and our, and our country and say, and, no, and, I can, and there's many cities I can give you the statistics of how many people are in that city, how many Bible preaching churches are not there, and the need for the gospel to be there. What is going to happen if somebody doesn't get stirred to do it and a church gets stirred to do it, but then we've got to do it? But tonight is twofold. I want you to start to get stirred up in your heart. Set your problems aside for a little while and realize that you have a God that has promised you He will meet your needs. He will take care of your situation. It's going to take faith. It's going to take determination. It's going to take Bible principle. Bible obedience. We have those promises of God. Why don't we see the needs of other people? You know, I was, this, is, this is such a stupid illustration, but I think it, it works. I was driving down the road yesterday, and there was a man driving down the road, and 
you'll know what how he looked when I say this next part. I almost reached over, and my inclination was to roll the window down and just yell out, "Pull your pants up!" <laughs> but then I got to thinking, he's doing exactly what he's been taught to do. I think we've come to a day in our nation and our churches when just saying, hey, you need to do this in society isn't enough. We've got to preach the gospel to them. We've got to invite them to church. We've got to tell them there's a God that loves them and will change them. See, you're not going to change them. You're not going to change the average sinner on their way to hell with a worship team and with, with color lights and a smoke machine. You're not going to change them with, not, with some cute slogan. The only thing that's going to change them is giving them the gospel and saying there's a Savior who died on the cross and paid for your sins. God loves you enough that He sent Jesus to die for your sins. And they, they ought to be able to see the tear in the corner of an eye of a Christian who doesn't even know them, but so badly wants them to trust Jesus Christ and so badly wants them to get saved. Somebody's got to be burdened enough to do something about it. I'm thankful that this church has sent out missionaries, is sending out missionaries, is starting churches. But we cannot rest on what God has already done. Because, friend, if we just pay attention... There ought to be something inside of us that stirs. Pastor, what can I do? How can I be a part? I, I, we ought to get so stirred up say, Pastor, I might not be what, do what somebody else does, and I might not be able to go to the mission field, I might not, but, but I, can, I can help support one go. I, I can pray through a list of them every day. Pastor, I, I, I don't have a lot of money uh, to give to these projects, but, but friend, you can, every one of us can open it up every day and say, Lord, would you provide uh, the, the, the finances for this? Can you provide the laborers for this? Will you continue to open the doors so that we can reach more people with the gospel? Quite frankly, some of you could give more than you promised to give. You could give more so that we could do more. We've got buses that need to be bought. We've got missionaries that need to support. This week, I'm going to introduce you and I'll opportunity for us to start churches on the continent of Africa and we can do this in a very quick manner and there will be souls saved immediately and that will be laid to our account. There's plenty to do and plenty of opportunity but we've got to be willing to do it. We've got to be stirred but then we've got to follow the example of Paul. Say, I'm going to the market and anybody who will talk to me, I'm going to talk to them. No wonder, no wonder God used Paul in such a great manner. It's sad there's some Christians that can't be stirred by anything. Their hearts are so cold, they're so wrapped up, self-involved, they cannot be stirred. Only the Holy Spirit of God interceding in their life is going to change that. Probably there's a lot of Christians stirred. A message like this will stir. But friend, I didn't come in here tonight just to stir us up, to get us stirred up about 
this world and stirred up about what's going on. I came in here with the purpose tonight of not just to get us to refocus and pay attention to the fact that there is a lost world dying and go to hell, but the purpose tonight is for you and I to say, what are we going to do about it? And what, what can I do about it? Pastor, what can I do about it? Friend, get to the prayer closet and, and pray for laborers. I still believe uh, that some a faithful Christian pray, can pray a missionary to any country in this world. I believe that, that God will reach in the heart of a young man, a young couple, and say, I've chosen you. It'll be the prayers of some Christian that gets burdened about a place in this world that says, God, they have no gospel witness. You've got to send somebody there. I still believe that, that, that God can empower a preacher, not just from his own prayer time, or not just his, his own time with God, but through the prayers of God's people, say to empower him, give him a liberty that he does not have. You and I have got to get stirred, not just so that we feel good about ourselves, so that something for eternity can be done. Why don't we put it to action tonight? I don't want you to just be sad with statistics of how these many people don't have a gospel witness and, and there's no God in the public schools. I want us to do something about it. I want us to determine to pray. I want us to determine to go. I want us to determine to give. Let's ask the Lord to allow us to do more. Let's determine to do more. So, Pastor, I've already... Done all that I could do up to this point. But as long as you're here, God's got something else for you to do. God's got more for you to be a part of. Let's just determine to do as much as we possibly can. Father, I pray that you'll take the simple thought, the simple message, use it as you would have it used tonight. Father, I pray in my own heart that You'd stir it. I pray in my own life You'd bring conviction where I need to be convicted. And Father, I pray in my own personal Christian life I'll not get so caught up in ministry and different things that I fail to see the lives of individuals who need someone to tell them about Jesus. Father, I pray that as a church, collectively, we'll determine that we're going to continue to be the kind of church that keeps focused on the Great Commission and sending out laborers. And that'll be our priority. That'll be our mission. Father, it's bigger than us. It's not just about us. But there are cities wholly given to idolatry. May we be able to do more. May You empower us to do more. May You convict us. And may some decisions be made tonight and in future days that we'll be faithful in our prayer clauses, we'll be faithful in our giving, we'll be faithful in our going. Bless the service tonight. Do as you see fit. We stand to our feet tonight. Our heads are bowed. The piano begins to play. The altar is open.